Welcome back to Investing 404, the podcast for amateur investors for amateur investors. I'm Gav and I have Chris here with me. We've both been investing for over a year and we'd like to give an insight on how we analyze companies for investment. Right guys, welcome back to the weekly 404. We'll start with a portfolio update. Not too much has happened this week. Then we go into the news. Uh, we've seen a lot of announcements during this earnings week. In the learning segment, Gov is going to give us a lesson on trading on leverage, uh, something I don't even know, so <laughs> I'm excited to learn about this one. And then Ten Bagger is uh, is a big one. Oh wow, that's the first time you've ever given positive <laughs> expectations, Chris. Uh, 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 so this must be good. Yeah, let me put a disclaimer in there before people get too hyped up and start buying. Um, again, as always, this is just research done by Gov and I. We're just two amateurs. So if you want to buy stocks or sell stocks, don't take our word. Do your own research, please. So with that, Chris, let's go into then portfolio updates. Uh, what's happened in the last week for you? Not too much, to be honest. Uh, Vata seems to have had two very good weeks and they have a earnings announcement announcement on Thursday and they've announced something special um, so maybe a new battery is coming out maybe a car battery that would be exciting for the stock and uh, Alteryx for I think the second or third quarter in a row now has had a bad uh, earnings release so I'll They've potentially moved onto my sell list. I'm not sure yet. I'm going to do some research why the numbers are still bad and what's going on because the fundamentals behind the company are exciting, uh, analytics company, but it just keep giving out bad earnings results. So I'm going to have a look at that one. What about you, Gov? Um, what's been happening? Not much, I guess. Uh, I think we're all just waiting for, for something to happen. It seems like all the companies and indexes that I own is just waiting for movement either positive or negative so if i look through my stocks none of them have moved more than like one percent or two percent up or down and then uh i mean my uh crypto wallet is done well because yeah ethereum's experiencing like essentially the highest levels it's ever had right right and it's trading between that 1.9k range um so 1.8 to 1.9k range um so and Bitcoin, right? And then Bitcoin's above 50K, right? Which is just yeah. phenomenal. As, as soon as Tesla announced that news, I thought the 50K is, yeah, yeah. It's it's just going to come. It's just a question of time. Now it will be interesting if it can, how long it can hold that level, right? Yeah, exactly. And also, um, you got to like then realign your expectations, right? So uh, if you think about most of the price targets, even for the Bitcoin bulls, uh, when we started the year at like 28k or whatever, uh, it was to get to 40 or 45 somehow, <laughs> and by the end of the year, and well, we're well past that now. So, what, what's the expectation now? You know, uh, just it'd be really interesting to understand that. But the support for it is growing rapidly, right? I mean, we obviously went into a lot of detail about Tesla's one one and a half billion investment in it, which has clearly done really well <laughs> uh, what do you think chris made more money than uh all their other investments <laughs> <laughs> yeah they make more profit of bitcoin now than their car operation <laughs> uh, yeah and then and then um mastercard put out a statement i think on thursday saying they would support certain cryptocurrencies later in the year which is again yeah. massive because Mastercard takes so many transactions across the world, right? Um, so, I think it's justified seeing that sixty percent rise since the start of the year. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it looks. 
going forward. And these positive news keep coming out pretty much every week now, right? You go from Tesla to MasterCard. I think I saw two banks um, now evaluating it. It's, yeah, so much hype around it. It can only go down now. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. There's room for more surprises. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the second, I guess, slightly more surprising news story that broke was... Um, uh, oil so oil's had a, a big resurgence it's mainly caused by typically warm <laughs> locations seeing incredibly cold weather so the seasonal oil demand is like driven it so um the southern states in the u.s have had like really bad uh winter weather in the recent days i mean texas i think has had the worst winter record storm like of forever right so because of that production's halted which has driven prices up because we've been in an oversupply market anyways uh so it's gone over 60 dollars a barrel which is back to you know where it was a, a long time ago so um it's good to see that oil rise um and uh, chris you're not in oil anymore are you uh no i remember both of us trading it back in when was the crash march april may time frame within a short-term trade because oil clearly fell too low, right? The, there was no way it would stay at that lower level. Um, I didn't expect it to go to 60 this quickly, to be honest, especially with the second lockdown. But Yeah, exactly, right? Demand, demand's not back yet. So, so we'll see what happens when demand's back at full levels again. And uh, I guess as we have smoothly moved over to the news, Goff, <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me carry on with the earnings. Uh, Magnus, the chess... 10 bagger I mentioned about two or three weeks ago um, has had smashing earnings uh, really is uh, revenue is up 196% this year paying users paying subscribers are up 90% uh, it's just incredible uh, let, let's see how that continues for the year but uh, the stock price is seeing similar growth uh, could be a 10 bagger we'll see we'll see how it continues yeah and I think that was one of the ones that we were discussing how we would expect growth short term very quickly right in in our episode so if you guys want to learn more about it uh check out a previous episode where we uh looked at play magnus in a bit more depth the the next big i guess earnings announcement uh was on disney so disney uh reported some stellar growth on disney plus subscribers i think it, they had 21.2 million uh new disney plus subscribers which is uh, which is just wild in terms of like if you look at the total subscriber rates it's it's significant how that growth has happened the last quarter um and even with that right there's a lot of growth left to go i mean now they have approximately disney plus has approximately 47 percent as many subscribers as netflix does so there's still a long way up but um just seeing some really strong push in the last couple of months which is what's needed right for us to see there to reflect the all-time uh high uh stock price yeah and we discussed that in our disney episode again um how we expect disney to actually come out really well out of this entire streaming war and then later if they when they reopen the stores and the parks then uh, other revenue streams open up again as well uh interesting yeah in interesting company for sure yeah e exactly uh and then the final the final news from my side uh, is uh, we mentioned, I think, last week uh, on Bumble having its IPO. And, well, the IPO went and 
it's done really well, right? Um, I think the initial valuation was around six billion. It's up to almost eight billion. Um, <laughs> they raised they they raised two point two billion on its public debt, which is pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I think it popped like sixty percent on the day. Yeah, just phenomenal, right? I mean, the company, like I said, is just um, pretty big in its marketplace. It's got like two point three million monthly users. And then it's generated around 370 million of revenue in its first nine months of 2020. Uh, it's still, again, making losses, but it, you can just see that um, there's a real like belief, um, at least short term, that the company's going to do well. Yeah, it's, it's amazing right now. No IPO seems to go badly. Every single IPO is popping. People are going crazy over it. Um. <laughs> yeah imagine how annoyed jack ma is huh, Chris? <laughs> oh yeah the ant ant ipo oh boy that could have been one of the biggest companies straight from the outset one very small news that has gone completely kind of gone under is amazon has completed another company purchase and this time it's sells i'm not sure if the name is right but um uh, australian company that provide tools for building their own online shops for like small and mid-sized companies. When they are on the high street and now their shops are closed, they're all looking to sell online somehow. And these tools help with that. So I think that's just a strategic move for Amazon to eventually go into Shopify's territory and really take up some market share in smaller shops trying to create an online presence. And uh, even though Amazon has stellar earnings, I think the fact that Jeff Bezos is stepping down has made the share price remain flat. You can see pretty much all other companies like NVIDIA, Microsoft, they've broken out of their range to the high, whereas Amazon seems to have remained flat. Yeah, it's interesting. Right, for this week's learning, we've got uh, trading on leverage, a topic that I know exists, but I don't actually know too much about. I'm learning as, at the same time as you guys are listening to this. So, Goff, fill us in. What's trading on leverage? Yeah, leverage is a really interesting concept, Chris. And um, I, I guess when we go into this and more you look at finance and people in finance, it's remarkable how many instruments and ideas and uh, ways they have of making the most of their money, right? It's just actually remarkable when you look at the number of loopholes, the number of new devices and the number of new ways that they can like uh essentially they make the most of their money. So leverage is essentially the use of borrowed funds to increase one's trading position beyond what would be like available from what they currently have, right, in terms of like their balance. Um, so what that means is let's say I had a thousand pounds in my uh, balance, right? I could have some brokers that would give me, let's say they give me 10 to 1 leverage. Now, suddenly I could trade for £10,000 worth of uh, my, my trading balance. It looks like then the $10,000. So I'm making decisions for a lot bigger value of, of stock. Uh, now, typically, it's very, very common in FX because there's a lot of movement and there's a lot of liquidity that happens very quickly. So there's... Uh, FX is typically where there's a lot of uh, leverage and, you know, because of the whole, uh, because of crypto doing really well lately, we've seen kind of a resurgence of interest uh, on FX as well. And we've had a bunch of questions from people on leverage. So uh, 
can you do it on stocks? You can do. Uh, again, your broker needs to be uh, allowing it. Uh, and they're like pros and cons to everything, right? So uh, essentially by having this higher amount that you're trading with, uh, it amplifies your wins and your losses, right? So uh, essentially you could be making a lot more money, but you could also be losing a lot more money. However, it can look, be a little bit more complicated than that because essentially let's say you, you're investing uh, and the stock price drops, just like we mentioned in the margin call uh, learning segment in a similar scenario your broker will ask for you to top up whatever your your amount is so uh, essentially that price drop will really impact you not just on how much you have in your account but it could be way more than what you have in your account this is how you see a lot of people losing a lot of money um, or making a lot of money in really short periods of time right because they're trading heavy on leverage However, on the flip side of the coin, uh, if you have a very strong cash position and you wanted to put a small amount of that into a trade, right? Leverage actually can be a very use efficient use of your trading capital. So if let's say I had uh, 15, uh, 20,000 pounds in my account, but I only wanted to put 5,000 towards trading. Well, now suddenly trading on leverage can be a very efficient because I'm only putting more money in when it's required right i'm only putting more money in when the price drops uh, and i'm only putting money in having that 15k in the bank right so it's 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 having that like element of spare cash and investing way more than what you really have it's actually quite an efficient use of capital um, so there's definitely pros and cons to trading on leverage just uh yeah, be careful what you do. If, you, if you're not 100% on what you're doing with it, uh, make sure you do enough research, right? To me, it's still risky, right? And I think this this goes back to the whole principle of only do the things that you know enough about, only, only buy stocks you know enough about, only buy options or other, other form of instrument when you know enough about it. Uh, it sounds risky, right? It goes against our strategy as well of of just, you know, number one, buying what we have in our bank. <laughs> Money-wise, we would never take out a loan to buy something. And number two, just understanding what we're doing. And uh, it doesn't gel well with the long-term principle as well, does it, Gov? Having a stock and owning that for the long term. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, like I said, there are lots of people who believe very strongly on both sides. Uh, again, I want to just like, mention again that the concept isn't it's not you're not directly taking uh that loan right so you're not getting hit um in terms of credit or any of those other elements but what it is doing is uh you're having to put up the margin right so there's some really interesting websites that give you a lot of good information on it whether that's investopedia whether that's i think the balance do a lot of stuff on day trading um but yeah it, typically you're right chris this would be a lot more short-term oriented people on short-term trades rather than long-term elements that would be the, the typical position uh, i i'd definitely be like skeptical of someone saying if you start reading an article or a video where you know, they made a big trade on very high leverage and made a huge return. I'd be very skeptical of thinking of that as repeatable, right? So uh, just be careful with what you're looking at. Cool. No, I've, I've learned something here. Thanks, Goff. 
Right, and then the final segment, uh, Chris, 10 baggers. So again, if you're new here, these are stocks that could explode and make you 10 times your money or could just blow up and you know lose all your money. So uh, what have you got for us, Chris? Right, this week was actually inspired by a real-life uh, injury I have right now. I have a knee injury and uh, I can't go running right now, which, you know, if people people that know me know that means a lot. <laughs> if you if you feel like uh, Chris is getting grumpy, well, that's what it is. It just hasn't been on us. <laughs> hasn't been on us 10K run. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. Um, no. So I called up my private healthcare and I said, oh, I probably need physio or something to look at the knee. You just can't go running on it right now. And what they've done now is created a virtual appointment for me. And that reminded me of two very interesting companies. And the first one is called Teladoc. And Teladoc is like an ARK investment type darling, right? They are, uh, they've shot, shot up in all the ARK uh, ETFs. So if you invested in those, then you will know about Teladoc. Their mantra is virtual care for all. And also virtual care should be the first step on any healthcare journey. And Corona has kind of opened the light to this because right now you can't just pop into your doctors because you have a sniffles or you can't just pop in like me because I have a knee injury because most physios have to be closed right now. Um, so they send out these virtual appointments, connect to doctors, com completely simplifying it, number one for the doctors and then for the patients because the doctors don't need a huge space anymore to run their GP. And the patients like us, we don't have to spend half an hour getting to the doctors, waiting there half an hour, doing the appointment, and then half an hour back. It's like a whole operation every time you go to the doctors. Um, so small things, though. The market cap of this company is already $42 billion, highly overheated right now. And I have to say this, it's generating free cash flow, but it's losing a lot of money. So then I was thinking, hang on, Teladoc, yeah, too expensive, it won't work. Then I shifted my focus again, what is happening in Asia, in China? <laughs> and I've done this a few times now. And there's a Chinese company that's called 111. And they do a similar thing to what Teladoc does. They have on online healthcare, subscriptions, online pharmacy. And they also, as a separate add-on, have a wholesale pharmacy that is now working together with half of Chinese uh, retail pharmacies. So that you have both platforms. You have a bit of a sales side and an online healthcare business here. And as you can think about it, China is geographically huge, right? Uh, it's, it's like half the size of Europe, probably bigger, three quarters of Europe. And it's stretched out massively. There's people living uh, rurally, there's some urban areas, but the country is just massive. And that's why China has invested so much in infrastructure. China's healthcare market is also the second biggest in the world, and they have a shortage of doctors. Plus the fact that the Chinese government is very, very su supportive of online healthcare. They're trying to push that along. So coming back to company 111, they have a 2.5 billion market cap. In 2018, they had revenues of 2 billion. In 2019, they doubled that to 4 billion. A couple of positives. They partner up with insurance companies, they are not yet on Wall Street, which is huge, right? No analysts have picked them up yet. And they're right in trend with everything that's being pushed by the governments, by consumers. We all want this more virtual care. Couple of negatives, the expenses have gone up the same way as revenue has gone up. So I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. The research hasn't exactly shown what is costing them so much. It might be a lot of the wholesale operation that they're building up. 
so that's n- number one a problem. Two, the stock price has shot up the last week or week and a half. So if I mentioned that two weeks ago, I would have been the king. Maybe now I'm the opposite. Um, and they have one big competition, which is Ping'an, Ping'an Good Doctor in, in China. Those are the current number one, but China is clearly big enough for two companies. So overall, very interesting market, very interesting market segment. And uh, you, you can kind of choose the US or the Chinese equivalent. Do your own research again, because this is just inspiration. We haven't researched them enough for ourselves yet, so it's it's very high risk as usual. Goff, what's, what's your opinion? I don't know if this is for me. Um <laughs> 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 uh, so whether that's market climate, um, uh, you're right, Chris, there's a burning need uh, of healthcare. So I think like we mentioned in our 2021 like outlook, right? And I think healthcare, education, all of those like desperate for disruption. Uh, again, I, I don't know too much. Like I said, uh, it'd be good to maybe research a little bit more um, and see what essentially the growth aspects look like for the company. Definitely on cue with uh, the industry though, Chris. So <laughs> definitely on cue with that. Yeah, the, the growth rates are um, too good to believe. Uh, I think it's something like 150%. So, uh, you know, Chinese companies always, always don't, don't trust all the numbers. <laughs> yeah, and the market environment as well, right? You just don't know where they're going to be pushing resources what area they're gonna really fund heavily etc cetera, etc cetera, right because um, uh, china's spending a lot of money investing outside of china right now so it'd be really interesting to know kind of where that area fits for them so yeah exactly and teladoc right now they're super expensive um it's it's probably worth putting it on the watch list the own research and when there's a huge crash then something like teladoc the u.s equivalent um, is definitely one of those companies that will is bound to benefit in the next ten years. Um, uh, everything's being set up for them to benefit, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> uh, and with that, I think that rounds off today's episode. Uh, just a side note: we gave you a Bitcoin update, uh, and you know it's gone up one k in the time we shot this episode. So, uh, <laughs> oh really? <laughs> if you've got Bitcoin, what is it at now? Uh, like fifty one five or something. So, uh, so if you <laughs> if you have Bitcoin, enjoy it. Um, uh, and with that, join us for our next episode. I think we'll be again having a deep dive into uh, uh, one of the companies uh, on our list. If you've got any suggestions, uh, hit us up at uh, Investing Four or Four on Instagram. And yeah, make sure you share share the episode with your friends. We're running on all time highs right now. Uh, it'd be good to keep that growth going <laughs> with ourselves. <laughs>It's funny, when, when you said the Bitcoin thing, I was going to say, well, celebrate with an Uber Eats meal because I just had another, like, five emails from Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> uh.